I wish you could have known Pastor James DeVault. He was a snappy dresser. He had hats. He had jewelry. He had three-piece suits. He was a pretty sharp dresser. Most of you know we ran this hotel for a Christian ministry, and Pastor James DeVault was a tenant in the hotel. And he was getting up in years, so sometimes he couldn't get down to eat, but he liked to eat as much as I do, and, and he was a fancy dresser. He would sometimes hire the boys to, to bring him up his, his dinner, and he wanted a generous dinner. He would call Wesley or Dan and, hey, can you get me some food up here? And they would get him food, take it up to his room and give it to him. And, and they would come down, and sometimes they would say, Dad, Mr. DeVault's room smells like mothballs. I'm like, yeah, because he values his clothes, you see. One time I went up there myself and I stepped in his room and it did smell like mothballs. And I also noticed uh, there was a big gun on his dresser. I'm telling you, the man valued his clothes. And uh, he took care of his stuff. Now, if you love your clothes, you probably have mothballs, and if you value stuff, you might even have firearms, but I want to tell you about something today that's better than mothballs. A better way to keep your stuff than guns and mothballs, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, it's better to lay up treasures in heaven than on earth. When you lay up treasures in heaven, you keep them forever. Our text today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, so take your Bible and Turn to Matthew chapter 6, and it's so simple. This is simple. This shouldn't take me more than an hour or two this morning. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now this is simple, isn't it? This is a pattern that Jesus uses rhetorically over and over again. Don't do this. Do this. And here's why. And it's really no more complex than that. Don't do this. But but do this. And here's why. Well, help me now. What's the don't do this and what's the do this? The don't do this is don't. Lay up treasures on earth. And the do is lay up treasures in heaven. That's pretty simple. How you do that, we'll talk about that. And why he talks about that, we'll study that. Verse 19, don't store up treasures on earth. Jesus says not to do that. In verse 20, store up treasures in heaven. Now let me read an extended bit here because we're, we're, we're lifting our text out of an extended thought because we want to emphasize it. But we want to get the whole thought in our hearts. Let's listen a little bit more to what Jesus says. Verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Understand this matter of the eye in the context of greed and stuff because that's what we're talking about here. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're greedy, you're full of darkness. And if you're generous, you're full of light. That's what he's saying. 
No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So Jesus said. So he's saying two things. He's saying, don't lay up treasures on earth. And he's saying, do lay up treasures in heaven. Now, a few years ago when Hope, who turned 12 last week, was maybe three, we were sitting in church together during the offering. And they were passing the offering plates. I, I noticed that Hope passed the offering plate, and the offering plate was bigger than her head. You know, she just had the big offering plate out there. She's like... So I took the offering plate, and I gave it to the usher. I turned back around. I had a feeling she had a question for me. I looked over, and she had that little look on her face like she's thinking about something. She said, Dad, how does God get this money? <laughs> Have you ever wondered that yourself? You're like, pastor's up there going, give this money to God. He's like, what? Were they taking that money right to God? I want to follow it. I want to meet him. You know, how does he get this money? It's a great question. I have bright children, you know. Yeah, it's a great question. How does God get this money? If he says lay up treasures in heaven, the next question is, okay, how do you do that? It's seriously a great question. How do you lay up treasures in heaven? Because if you can do that, let's do it. Now I want to suggest to you from the scriptures a number of different ways. Uh, here's just some, some ideas, just some general ideas. One would be, and you would expect me to say this first, it is priority in the New Testament, that's why I say it first. One way to let treasures in heaven is to give money, obviously, to the ministry of God's program on earth for his time. What is this age called? This age is called the, if you know your eschatology, thank you Chris, I'm seeing that right there. It's the church age. In this time, God is using the church God has called the church. He died for the church. He's commissioned the church. And you should give to the church. It's true. You can't call yourself a faithful Christian and not give to the church. You can't say you love Jesus, but you don't love the church. And when we say church, we're not talking about some just kind of vacuous, kind of empty, kind of ethereal concept. We're talking about when the Bible talks about church and the, the word for church, is, you know, it's almost always using the term for a local church like this, a church. And I know that many of you give to the ministry of God's program on earth, a local church. And we get to this local church. We give to local churches that our missionaries are involved in. We'll talk a little bit about, more about that later. Let's just remember that God's program on earth is churches in church. And so we should, that's one way to lay up treasure in heaven. The scriptures say that you're, you're setting aside in the New Testament on the first day of the week. It's God's promise to you. Every Christian should do that. should give regularly to the church. That's one way to lay up treasure in heaven. Whatever you give then, with a right heart attitude to God's program, you never lose it. You always have it. How do we know that? Because Jesus said that. So if we hoard it, we will lose it. Guaranteed. Whatever you try to hoard, you will lose. Moth, rust, thieves, or you die and your wife spends it. Or her new husband. Think about that for a while. Just trying to encourage you. You're like, how's the heart today? I'm like, oh, I was feeling good until I came to church. So, you know, uh, so you, you, you're going to lose it. You're going to, because eventually you're going to die. 
And then somebody else is going to have all the stuff that you worried about and, and worked for and, and labored to have. That's what Jesus is saying. You, whatever you hold on to, you are going to lose. But whatever you give to me, you will never lose. That's just simple. That's what he's saying. Give to the church. It's true. Um, but part of that, you know, it's interesting, and I guess I need to talk, talk to you about this. It's, it's me talking. I should probably have somebody else, like, stand in for me right now. But if you looked at the church budget, you'd see the significant part of the church budget is pastoral salaries. You were thinking that, so I thought I might as well just go ahead and bring it up and talk about it. The Bible says that's okay. I'm kind of glad because I'm a pastor and like my kids are not only bright, but they have big appetites. And so, you know, and the other pastor's kids eat too. And so it's appropriate. The Bible says that. Those who preach the gospel should live up the gospel. That's okay. That's right. That's New Testament. That's not just pastors either. That's, that's people that are involved in gospel ministry. It's an appropriate, it's a right thing to support people in gospel ministry. I think it's an okay thing to do that. The Bible is very clear about that. That's a good, and people should, and pastors and missionaries, they shouldn't be greedy of filthy lucre. They shouldn't be in it for money. They should be in it to serve the Lord. My dad told me that Dr. Welch at the seminary in Grand Rapids taught him you don't get paid to be a pastor. You get paid so that you are free to be a pastor. And that's true with missions and ministry and so forth. So that's, that is a, that's a biblical idea. It wasn't some man's idea. That's in the New Testament. Given quietly to the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ has, is a major way of laying up treasures in heaven because the Bible talks about that a lot. If you were to just take the New Testament and you were to study the New Testament passages on giving, it would probably surprise you how much of the New Testament is just talking about ministry to the saints, it's often called. A lot of New Testament giving passages are about ministry to the saints, which means you especially care for the household of faith, for other brothers and sisters who have needs. A lot of the New Testament teaching is on that. I think it's probably underemphasized. And if we're listening to Jesus today, it's probably one of those things we ought to say, I hear you, Lord. I know many of you, I hear about you, and you don't do it openly, but many of you, you give to the ministry of the saints. You notice when people have needs and you're sensitive. And this is right because in a local church, when you're living together and you're seeing the people's needs, you know what's up with them. You can quietly kind of help meet those needs. You can share what you have. The Bible talks about that a lot. When you give a gift, your heart is right. And you're giving a gift in the ministry of the saints to a brother or sister that you know in the Lord, in the family of faith, and they have a need. And you give a gift like that, that is a gift you will never lose because it goes into your treasure in heaven. Amen. Pastor, thank you for that. Uh, then give to the poor, especially widows, orphans, and others in hardship. You know the scriptures teach this. Give it to the poor, genuine poor. Um, we can talk about poverty. We will someday. This is really not the time to do it. Um, there are different kinds of poor. But it is really common for us to kind of like excuse ourselves and always never really end up giving to anybody who's poor. Widows or orphans or people that are in distress. The scriptures do talk frequently about this. Here's a shocker. Here's another way to lay up treasure in heaven. How does God get this money? Well, we give it to the church. We give it to the poor. We give it to the brothers and sisters in Christ. We give it to missions. Here's one. Give it to your enemies. That's in there. It's in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' mouth himself, he says that you want to do good to your enemies. If somebody's abusing you or despising you, one of the ways you might reconcile with an enemy is, you know, as long as you're my enemy, you're on my prayer list. Wouldn't that be something? As long as you're, on my, as long as you're my enemy, you're going to get regular gifts from me. Isn't that 
counterintuitive? Don't you just hate doing that in your, in your flesh? The last thing you want to do is give something to somebody who isn't kind to you. That's just what Jesus says. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Oh, are you? Really? When was the last time you prayed for your enemy, you spoke kindly about your enemy, and you gave stuff to your enemy? I think a lot of people say they're followers of Jesus, and they're not. They're not followers of Jesus. It sounds cool. They have a cross. You know, and it sounds all happy. But Jesus is saying some hard-nosed stuff. Am I right? Have you been paying attention to these messages? Is it just me? Are you convicted every week? Jesus says something I have to get on my face and repent about. And here's the, here he goes again. You want to lay up treasure, if you want to have something, you're always going to keep laying up treasure in heaven and not on earth. Give to your enemies. Give to missionary endeavors. I want to go back and hit on this one a little bit more. Give to missionary endeavors. Let's please, God help us, let's not lose our grip on the excitement of seeing churches planted in places where the gospel is not that common. And churches strengthened in places where the gospel is kind of to the people it's kind of past its sell-on date and now people are coming coming back into these areas like in Europe and they're kind of reseeding Europe with the gospel and, and churches we should never lose our enthusiasm for that we have got to win the hearts of our sons and daughters to missions to church planting to, to, the, to the adventure and to the romance and to the excitement of go, taking the gospel around the world we, and we can travel these days and we can get on the internet, we can see things, we can, we can get our hearts uh, in, involved in that. We can get to know our missionaries better. We can correspond more and ask better questions and we have a significant number of missionary agencies and missionaries in, they, they can't be encouraged too much. If you want to lay up treasure in heaven, one of the things you could do is you could take something valuable that you have and you don't use or need or something maybe you use all the time in love and just sell it and give it to a missionary. Give it to a person that's serving the Lord. I, I know a person one time, a missionary came through and the missionary said that it was in Ecuador that most of the pastors he kind of got my ear when he said that. He says, most of the pastors, they get their theological education by shortwave radio. And those pastors, if they have a shortwave radio, they can get a theological education. and They can be sound in the faith so that they're not like teaching error. And God was speaking to this guy. He gave his shortwave radio that he liked a lot to the, to the missionary. He never will lose that radio. It will always be his because it's treasure that's laid up in heaven. Do you believe that? That's what Jesus said. Here's another one, and I kind of like this. I think this is true. Rather than just all these other things that we've been talking about, just be a generous person. God isn't generous on a program. God's nature is generous. He's generous. Aren't you glad that's true? He opens his hand, and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. That's the way he is. If, if you started writing down the things that God has done for you and your family and your lifetime, you would get writer's cramp because he's so generous. Am I right? You don't even realize some of the things that he already gave you today. The bird song you ignored when you walked to your car. The fact that you even have a car and it's got a heater in it and you live in Michigan and you need your heater till like July. He's so good to you. He's giving you stuff all the time. You don't have cancer today. I mean, can you give him a praise offering? Thank you, Lord. Today I got another day of Thanksgiving because I don't have cancer today. If you had cancer, you'd be talking to him about it. Well, let's talk to him about it because we don't have cancer today. When I'm done talking here, eventually, you're going to eat a, a healthy meal, a hearty meal. Most of us are going to eat well today. 
But we're going to like say, you know, a little, a little prayer over that real quick. And we're going to kind of slur his name on the end without pronouncing it carefully. And then we're going to dig into the food. No, not us. That's not what we're going to do today. We've, we've been hearing praise songs. We're going to stop when we get our food and we're going to go, I don't believe that you let me eat three or four or five times a day. You're so good. He's so generous. That's his nature. This is what I'm talking about. We ought to be generous natured people, like live generously. I got an example of that would be like I heard this story about a guy one time. He goes through Starbucks drive through and he gets his stuff and he's feeling generous. So he says, I want to pay for whatever the guy behind me has gotten. Now, obviously, at Starbucks, this could be pretty pricey, but, you know, go ahead. You know, Starbucks is employing people, so go ahead, you know. So he, he pays for the guy behind him. The guy behind him comes up and he goes, what? The guy in front of me paid? I'll pay for the guy behind me. The guy behind him pulls up and he says, what? The guy in front of me paid? I'll pay for the guy behind me. Six cars in a row paid for the person behind them until probably a Baptist guy came along. And then he quit, you know, and the whole thing, the chain was broken at that time. Let's be generous people. You know, have you ever thought about tipping the girl or the guy at the drive through window at McDonald's when you're getting your breakfast? You ever thought about that? Do you think they make too much money? You think those people that are doing the drive through window, they're overpaid? You suppose they're overpaid? Then anybody in our state overpaid... Right? This is Michigan we're living in. And so we might as well help one, one another, okay? So what, give a tip. And then you give a couple of three times and then maybe give a tract after you've tipped for a while. They're like, oh, I get that. This is about you. That's why that guy's a nice guy. He's a religious guy. I get it. You know, that's maybe your testimony will be sweeter. Live generously. Be that kind of a person. I, I just think if you do that, if you're driving through the drive-thru every day and you're seeing that same girl that doesn't make much money and maybe she's got troubles in her life, I almost guarantee you she's got troubles in her life. And you're always kind to her and you stop and you look her in the eye and you give her a little extra sometimes and you ask about her day quick, you know, do it quick so she can still cut weight on her customers. You do that and um, you invite her to church, she's so much more likely to come. Who knows what could happen following you're just being a generous person. I I just think that's the way God wants his people to live because he's that way. So I'm just talking about living generously. Let me give you an example. I go to Subway every once in a while. Does this message sound like it's all about food? (laughs) I do that a lot. I go to Subway. I I like that. You you go in there. I don't like taking my daughter because she's indecisive. They ask you 5,000 questions for one sandwich. What kind of cheese? How many kind of cheeses are there? Oh, please. You know, here, I'll order. You eat whatever I order you. But I, I want to go to Subway. I don't want a girl waiting on me. I don't want a girl waiting. I like girls, but I don't want a girl waiting on me when I go to Subway. I want a man. Why is that? Yeah. I want a man because a man's, you know, he's, it's not like, oh, this is a pretty little sandwich. I'm like, dude, if I wanted pretty, I'd go to art gallery. I want a sandwich. I want some food. Put some meat on the sandwich, son. That's right. So I like guys who are like, yeah, here you go. Get some meat. You want some vegetables on that? All right. You know? And then they're like, I can't close this. So I'm like, I'm coming back here. It's like, it's like, here you go. I like those guys. Do you like generous people? That's the way we are. 
When somebody's generous, it kind of makes you want to be around them. God's people should be like God. And God is generous. And in a time like that, what we live in, we could kind of dig in and go, I'm going to have to hoard what I have. I'm going to have to hang on to what we have. Exactly the opposite. It's like we have a ministry opportunity now in Michigan. There's a lot of people who are unemployed or who are underemployed, and they don't know what's going on, and their, their retirement went down, and their house value went down. And maybe they're starting to look around and thinking, maybe I ought to change God's here. And, it, and they're going to probably be more likely to accept a God that's attractive One like your God who's generous. He needs representatives who are generous people. That's what I'm saying. Can I make another suggestion? By the way, sometimes you might take something valuable that you have that you worry about and just sell it and give it away before it gets stolen. That's the thought. Years ago, a few years ago, I got the, I I kind of like lusted after this electronic device for a long time. I just kept looking at that. I'm like, I could use one of these, you know, it's just so neat. I didn't really need it. I knew I didn't need it, but it had all this, you know, cool stuff, you know, that it would do. Now there, nobody uses them anymore because all the stuff that did cell phones do now. But then it was like, you just had that. And I'm like, you know, I, I have a lot of responsibilities. I don't have to write them down. I could put them on this little thing, you know, and then it also plays music and it takes pictures and I kind of need one. So I saved up, you know, extra money here and there. And I spent you know, kind of a lot on this little thing. <laughs> I was in the hotel in Flint, downtown. And um, one morning, early in the morning, I go walking by the front desk. These guys are sitting at the front desk that are running the front desk. They're not paying attention to the customers, you know. And they're like, hey, uh, Pastor Pierpont, this lady just went in your study a while ago. And then and I, we told her, hey, get out of there. You're not supposed to be in there. And then she went out. And she went, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, what? There's a woman. Yeah, she said she was looking for the bathroom. I'm like, oh, man. I go back in my study. I go over. I grab my briefcase, I go, zip, look at that pocket. Ah, it's gone, she took it. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to beat her down. I'm going to catch her, and I'm going to beat her down. And I will repent later. And so I go scurrying. I'm like, I'm running out the door, down the street, looking around. Oh, I so wanted to get my hands on that woman's neck and get my PDA back. I mean, what does she need that for anyway? And, she, and like she had appointments, steal stuff. You know, I mean, what in the world? So I never caught her. And I went back in my study, and I sat down, and I thought, I wish I had given that money or something. I, was, I felt rebuked. I, you know, not wrong for anybody to have a PDA. I'm not saying that. But for me, I just felt rebuked. Like, you didn't really enjoy that. You worried about it. You didn't even get to use it. It would have been better. I lost that. It's completely gone. It's a sermon illustration now. That's the only thing I got out of it. But if I had taken that money and given it, I would still have it. That's what I'm saying. So let's be generous. Here's, can I give you a really direct uh, uh, opportunity that you have? Uh, we, I know you guys believe in this. I just want to say it again this year. Last, year before last, last year, over 100 of our young people and kids from our area got to go to one of the finest camps in the state of Michigan. They got loved on. They got fed. They got recreation. You know, a lot of our young people go up there and help. It's a big part of our church life. And I'm beating the drum today. If you can help on that, you give to the offering, but make it make a little note there. You know, whenever you can, make a little note. This is to the Lake Ann Scholarship Fund. We had a, we had a donor that came along. You know, we've had, we've had a foundation that's been helping us, and that, that's going down a little bit. That's how that works. And so our, our giving, our, our budget part of that comes up a little bit, but we keep needing help. So we're not crying wolf or anything. I'm just saying to you, when you see the kids get on the bus to go to Lake Ann, I, I promise, I personally have been there. I guarantee you they're getting the gospel. I guarantee you they're getting loved up there. 
and people are going to listen to their stories, and they're going to have a great time, and they're going to eat good food, and they're going to sing and worship God. And if you saw that, it would, it would thrill it would thrill you. So if you can give to that, I think if your heart's right and you give to that, I believe that gift goes on your account in heaven and you will never lose it. That's laying up treasure in heaven. Witnessing is laying up treasure in heaven. You know this passage, this beautiful passage in Daniel that's eschatological. You know, it's talking about things in the end, in the future, in the end times. Daniel 12.3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. It's a poetic way of saying if you turn people to righteousness, if you lead people to Christ, if you attempt to lead people to Christ, you will shine like a star forever. <laughs> I like that. My mother taught it to me this way when I was a boy. She said, if you lead somebody to Christ, you get a star in your crown. She knew kids think in concrete ways. So she said, if you lead somebody to the Lord, you get a star in your crown. Steve was a hard-nosed kid, and I witnessed this kid, and he rejected Christ. And I came home, and I said, Mom, I'm so frustrated because I went witnessing this Steve, and he won't get saved, so I can't get a star in my crown. And my mom says, no, no, you don't understand. If you try to witness, you get a star in your crown. So I, and that's good theology. Uh, that's the, the idea behind that is. And I would suggest to you that if you want to let treasure in heaven influence somebody to receive Christ as their Savior, can you imagine having coffee with them in heaven. Will there be coffee in heaven? Certainly. Can you imagine having coffee with them in heaven? And they're like sitting there looking at you. Last l- l- night before last, last night, l- night before last, I said goodbye to some friends who I'm so grateful for the influence and the kindness and the gi- how they've given and building in my life. I'm saying, I can't tell you how much I love you, how grateful I am for you and what you've done for me. And they're crying. They're like, you have no idea, Pastor, how much I love you. We owe you more than you owe us. We're both just crying. I'm like, this is so fun. Have people that you love. Can you just imagine if God would allow you to lead somebody to the Lord, what would it be like to be able to see them and their family and everybody they led to the Lord in heaven? Wouldn't it be worth it to know that that would be a way to lay up treasure in heaven to invest some time in witnessing, to invest some time in writing a letter to encourage somebody to be saved would be a way to lay up treasure in heaven. Now, let me suggest a little practical idea. Get yourself a journal. They sell these beautiful journals, moleskin journals, lots of, if you're a girl, they get these frowsy, fancy ones you can get. They got, if you're a guy, you can use that too, I guess. But get a journal, and in the journal, write down a couple of things. Write down what God gave you to give away, and write down what God gave you. Start making, you'll start writing them down, and what will happen is you will think back, oh, and I remember when God provided shoes for my boys to play baseball. I remember when God provided dental care for my kids. I remember the shoes I am wearing right now are a gift to me that were direct answer to prayer. My shoes are worn out, and, you know, I, I'm just walking out one morning. My shoes were a little thin. And, and so I, had to, I have two pairs. I, I probably shouldn't tell this story, um, but it's too late. I'm into it. So I got, I got two, these two pairs of these loafers I like a lot. Cordovan and black, and I, and I rotate them, but now the Cordovan, I wear them more, and they were, this was a while ago, and they were kind of getting thin, so I had to think, I can't wear something that requires Cordovan on a day when it's raining, because <laughs> I have to wear the black ones, because the, the so, so I was walking out one morning, just past the closet, and I just said, well, Lord, I need shoes, just something for you to keep in mind, you know, and then I went out the door, I didn't even think about it myself, and I was walking around here greeting folks, I got, a fellow says to me, Pastor, I, I have a little ministry, I like to buy pastor's shoes, if you just tell me your shoe size, I'll, I'll buy your shoes. So I told him, because I'm no idiot. And the shoes I have on today, which are very nice shoes, are a gift. And I can put that in my little book. God gave me shoes 
<laughs> God, I got, I, got, I got two kids that just came over their first year of college. God provided a first year of college. You got to, I mean, you can tell stories, right? You're not preaching today, but could you tell, how many stories could you tell about things God has given to you and how merciful and kind and gracious he, you should put them in a book. Start a journal of just, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Amen? It will surprise you. It's like, I can't believe how good that he's been. Now, let me tell you three reasons why you should make these eternal investments. Number one, make eternal investments. Number one, you will lose everything you store on earth, all of it. So that's why. That's what Jesus said. Two, you will never lose what you store in heaven. You will never lose. It's, a, it's remarkable. Hope and I were talking on the way Wednesday night to Awana, and I said to Hope, do you remember that when you gave me the big offering plate and you said, how does God get this money? And she, she laughed. She said, yeah, I do. And then she said, that reminds me of when we all went to Kentucky to sing. And she told me this story, which I had never heard before. The girls one year went to Kentucky to sing for a month in the Little Mountain Churches, and they did it completely on their own. They weren't going to ask for a single love offering, and they weren't going to ask for an expense. It was just they funded themselves to go to the people of eastern Kentucky and they were just going to go wherever anybody asked them to sing. And what had happened is I always said to the boys, if I were you, I would take my guitar, I'd throw it in the trunk of a car, I would drive west, I would stop at street, you know, I'd stop at a, a, the square, and I would sing songs about the Lord, and, and I would stay in church, uh, I would camp out in churches, and, and, and I, would, I would blog about it. I'd just have a great time. I always said that, you know, to the boys. And then the girls said, we want to do that. I'm like, no way. Are you kidding me? And... We're taking mom with us. I'm like, okay, because she's tough. No one's going to mess with her. So, yeah, that's okay. So they went to Kentucky, and they used the house down there. As kind of the, and they went out, and they sang on the street. Well, you know, I told you that story before. Well, one night, they're going to these mountain churches, and we're not talking about fancy churches. We're not talking about big churches. We're talking about little mountain churches with lay pastors and humble people with funny names, Pigeon Roost, Church of God, and stuff like that. They go up in the mountains in this little church. And then the pastor gets up, and the people, most of them are really poor. The pastor gets up and he says, uh, we're going to have an offering tonight. So they take an offering. Well, the offering plate comes back to the girls, and Heidi opens up her purse, and she reaches in, she gets some money. She puts it in the offering plate. And the girls sing, they each give a testimony, and then they sing the bluegrass. And what's kind of cute is the pastor usually says, we're going to have the Pierpont girls sing tonight, and I'm not going to preach. But then after they're done giving their testimony and singing, you know, he's got his heart all warm, so he ends up preaching. It happened over and over again. On this particular night when Heidi had given money in the offering, <laughs> at the end of the service, after the girls were done singing, the pastor said, now, folks, it's okay with you. We're just going to give the offering to the girls tonight. And so Hope said, <laughs> Heidi got her offering back, and I'm like, that is totally the way Jesus is. That is the way he is. Don't ever forget that. Now, what was Jesus doing? He was saying this. I, you know that Lois and I, as a gift, were able to go to the Holy Land. And if you're tired of hearing about it, it's too bad because you're going to hear about this a lot, right? So we go to the Holy Land last month. And you know, when we got there, one of the things that made me feel so happy was it was already springtime in the Holy Land. It was so beautiful. 
They said it was like a 14 years, this had been more rain and more lush than, than in 14 years. So everything was blossoming and everything was green and there was just fruit everywhere. And there were flowers everywhere. I'll show you a cool picture of this. <laughs> I have pictures, but we'll show you later. Flowers and birds, bananas and oranges and lemons and beautiful green lush grass. It's already springtime in the Holy Land. And last, this I got to come back from Texas, but the night before last, when I got everything done and I was all relaxed because I was done speaking and I was feeling all relaxed. For the first time, I noticed it was already springtime in Texas. Oh, the, the, the leaves are like green. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? The green and big. And there. <laughs> The birds were singing at night. The sun was setting. And it was balmy warm with just a little refreshing breeze blowing. And I pulled a chair out on the porch where I was staying. I just sat there. And if I could have made the sun set still, I would have done it. To just enjoy a little bit more bird song. Do you folks understand? It's May 1st. And it's hard to believe. But the springtime that we saw in the Holy Land and the springtime that we saw in Texas is on its way to Michigan. It's coming. And we're going to be out on the porch in the evening, and we're going to be listening to the bird song, and we're going to be smelling the flowers. And what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples is, I've been to a place that is so indescribably beautiful and wonderful. I want you to go there, and I want you to have the experience of everything you can have I want you to lay up treasures in heaven. That's what I want you to do. 